With Hashem Salper learning Saita Daf Memches, we left off on Daf Memzain Ahmed Bey's 22 lines from the bottom. The Gemara is quoting from the Mishnah, Misharabu Hamayapim, when there was an increase in adulterers. Tanar Abonan says the Gemara, in Parsha Saita, it says that Vinika Ho'ishma Ovin, that the man is going to be cleansed or the man is free from sin. So says the Braisa, that when the husband is indeed free from sin, then then the waters work and they examine his wife. However, if the man is not free of sin, then the waters do not examine his wife. And actually, we spoke out a few times, especially in the beginning of the Masechta, that there was a machlekes between Rashi and the Rambam as to what is the meaning of a nikah ha'ishma avin. Rambam is the one that says that the man can never have sinned at all. However, Rashi previously, especially in Dav Chavches, explicitly says that v'nikah ha'ishma avin means that the man did not have a relation with his wife after she became a suffix soita. And there we spoke out the stira that over here, on Daf Mem Zayin Amid Beis, Rashi on the right side, where normally Toysvus is, Rashi Divri Hamaschal Menukama Avin writes that Niuf Beisha Ho Asuraloi Bein Mizu Shenistera Bein Meacheres. Here Rashi writes that the man has to be from any sort of sin, not only from sinning with his wife after she becomes a soita. This is a stira in Rashi. We spoke out on Daf Chavches, the Mishnah Lamelech that addresses this stira, and Ayin over there how to resolve this contradiction. Back in the Gemara. So the Braisa first quotes the Pasik in Torah, in Parshas Nasi. And then, Vo'imer, the Braisa adds, and it also says, and here the Braisa quotes the Pasik in Hoshea, that's quoted in our Mishnah, that Lo'yevkoit, that Hashem says, I will no longer examine your wives with waters. Why? Because your daughters are committing harlotry. So my Vo'imer, why was there a need for the Braisa to bring another Pasik? It's already in the Chumash, V'niko Ha'yishma Oven. Explains the Braisa of Echitema Oven Didei. Explains the Gemara that you would have thought that when the Torah speaks about the V'niko Ha'yishma Oven, he needs to be clear from sin. Didei in. But what would happen if a man himself never sinned, but the Bani Ud Benasei, but his sons and daughters are sinning and he does not protest them to stop? So maybe you would think, Lloyd, this doesn't prevent the waters from working. It's Tashima. So the Braisa therefore comes and adds the Pasik in Hoshea that Loy Efkoit. Even if you are free of sin, why won't the waters examine you? Because there's harlotry and adultery amongst your, your daughters and daughter-in-laws. And if you would think that that the sin that we're speaking about here, from which one has to be clean from, is only not having a relations with a married woman, but one might mistakenly think that that if one has a relation with a girl that's not married, that's not considered as sinful, and that will not prevent the waters from working. So Tashima, and here we are quoting the continuation of the Pasik in Hoshea, for the men consort with the harlots, and they go for sacrifices with the Kedeshois, with the prostitutes, and that's a word that's used on women that are single, they're not married, they're Kedeshois, the Mufkeres Leznus. And even for such a sin, the waters no longer will work. 
my, what's the meaning of the end of the Pasik? That that the people that do not understand will stumble. So Amar Abelazar, Amar Lehem Navi Yisrael, the Navi is telling the following to the Jewish people, Im atemap kfidem al atzmechem, if you will be careful on yourselves. In other words, there has to be a certain, we have to assume the responsibility on ourselves when we behave properly. So then, then the waters will work. However, but if we ourselves are not the v'nikem o'avayin, the waters will no longer work. And therefore the Mishnah said that once there was a Rabu, not to have Hashem's name erased in vain, and not to have people being Moitzalahs, cast aspersions that the waters are not working, even though I committed adultery. So they nullified this whole procedure of the Mayim Hamadim. Continues the Gemara, and we're going to go through a series of steps where the sages felt that there was a lowering of level and how one step down causes other not positive consequences. That Mishrabu Bali Hanoya Rashi explains when judges were becoming overly pleasure seekers. And therefore, like Rashi says, they didn't spend the time needed when a case came in front of them to properly analyze who's right and who's wrong and what's the psak din because they were busy seeking pleasure. So because of that, so what happened was that their judgments became deteriorated. You know, they didn't come to the right psak din. And because of that, the people's activities became corrupted. When a person knows that, hey, the, the, the based din won't come to the right conclusion, it brings corruption into the world. And when there's corruption in the world, when people do not behave properly, Rashi says that God Almighty doesn't have pleasure from his world. He's not comfortable with the world. When judges began to increase in showing favoritism, so first of all, the judges battled, they nullified the Pasik Loisaguru. Why would a judge show favoritism? It's either one or the other. Either because he's afraid of one of the litigants, but Hashem says, Loisaguru, the judge should not have a fear. Or he's showing favoritism, not because of fear, but because he thinks he's going to benefit. He's going to gain by going in one direction. And that is also a violation. They seized the fulfillment of the Pasuk, Loisakiru, don't recognize one over the other. And therefore, what did people see? People felt, I'm going to Adin but the judges are not giving a right ruling. So they no longer go to Rabbanim. They go to the secular courts. Uparko el shamayim. They take off from themselves the yoke of heaven, meaning they don't put upon themselves a dintaita judgment. And God forbid, they go to secular courts. When there was an increase in those who whisper during a trial. Who are the whisperers? Interesting expression. Rashi says the lawyers... Lawyers go to the ears of the judges and they start whispering this and whispering that, which ultimately leads, if a judge allows himself to hear the words from the lawyers, the Eurche Hadayanim, which they know exactly how to word things to pervert the, the case. So, so, the, so, the, so the conclusions, the judgments were not correct. And that happens. There was an increase of God's anger amongst the Jewish people. And that results in Vinestalka and that results in the Shekhinah departing from us. It says, and here we're going to read, as we have in the Mesoida Sashas on the sides, 
the beginning of the Pasik that it says that Elikim Nitzavadaskel, that Hashem stands amongst the congregation of God. Hashem is within the Jewish people. But you know when that happens? Only of Elikim Yishpait. Only when the judges are together with God. Once the judges don't acknowledge the presence of Hashem and they, that lack of acknowledgement expresses itself and them listening to one side more than the other improperly, so then there is a silica Once you start to have an increase in lustful seekers, people that are looking only for physical gratification, so what happens then, being that this physical world is very false, if you only look at the outside and not on the inside, so ultimately people mistakenly start saying, people actually believe that that which is bad, they call good. That which is good, they call bad. Because when you only look at the, at the outside, that's what this world can be like. And Once people are confused, they don't even know what's right and what's wrong. They actually think that good is bad and bad is good. Then Rabu Hoi Hoi Boilam. Then there, there is an increase in people Pashat Krechzing Oi. Mishrabu Moishri Haraik. Once there is an increase in people, Rashi says that they, when they spit, they spit in a far distance. People who have the minic to spit, that's an expression of one's arrogance. In other words, the Rabu Hayihirim. There is an increase in, in arrogant people. So even if a person doesn't begin doing certain activities from an inner arrogance, the outside influences the inside. When a person behaves arrogantly, they start to actually feel arrogant. Once people feel arrogant, they feel, why do I have to learn? And especially Torah. I already know it all. So there was a decrease in Torah students. And and all of a sudden, instead of students yearning, looking on their own to learn Torah, now the Torah teachers have to look for the students which is an indication that people are not interested. And and once there was an increase in arrogant people, then the Jewish girls began to want to get married to those who are arrogant. Because we're living at, a, this becomes a generation where people only pay attention. Lepanim here means to the external, to that which is visible. But people give less importance to that which is under the surface. How can you tell me that the women are attracted to arrogant people? We learned the master taught us that if a person is arrogant, he's not respected, not even amongst his family members. So why would a woman want to marry someone who's arrogant when, when he'll lose, he'll lose his, her respect? So she won't want to marry him. Shinamaraz, it says that Gevid Yohir, that if there's a man that's arrogant, is Veloyinava. In other words, his abode will not endure. Meaning, his respect will not, will not endure, even in his own home. So how can you say that once there was an increase in arrogance, women would want to marry arrogant people? Answers the Gemara, that's exactly how it works. That may cut when the women are looking for a shidduch, they will jump on those that appear great. Arrogance is just an external expression. Inside there's nothing, there's air. People only see the external. But after living with the person, sooner or later you see through the external. And Lusayf at the end is mitazil alayo, the husbands will become despised or cheapened in the eyes of their spouses. Bishadabu al-Balabatim, once judges started to increase, to ask their Balabatim, the judge has merchandise, 
and he has people in the community that are experts in that field. So the judge tells us, Balabas, why don't you sell my merchandise for me? You do a better job than me. What judges begin, and they shouldn't do that, to ask for personal favors from their Balabatim. So what happens? Rabba HaShoychet, that opens up the possibility for those Balabatim to bribe the judges. Because, you know, I owe you, you owe me. And Bahatois Mishpat, and a deviation from justice. And what is the consequence when there is not the proper justice amongst our community? See, one thing causes the other. Once there is a step down by the leadership, there's a step down in the behavior of the community. And ultimately, Pashit, the blessings in the world becomes diminished. These are the words of the Gemara. Once there was an increase of those people or judges who say, I acknowledge the good that you did to me. If a judge says those words to people, he's basically opening up the door for them to uh, bribe him. Or when judges tell people, I owe you. So then, so those people felt, I have nothing to fear. The judges will rule in my favor. People began to do whatever they want. And therefore, lowly people lifted themselves up. The Hagvayim, people that are really should be held up high, who shpolo, they were lowered. Umalchusa in our kingdom, Ozlov and Navlo deteriorated more and more. Shirabutz, sorry, Ayin, once there was an increase in stingy people, or people that grabbed that which is not theirs, people that became very selfish, it's all about me. So Rabu Ma'am Seilev, that increased heart, hardened people. And people became tight-fisted, not wanting to lend money. And therefore there was a greater violation of the Pasik. That Pasik is written right before the year of Shemitah, being that Shemitah is Mishamit. In other words, a loan that goes over the Shemitah cannot be collected. So people might not want to lend money before Shemitah. And Hashem says, No, lend money. So this is not only regarding Shemitah, the Gemara here, that once people become sorry ayin, once you have stinginess, so it's like a contagious. Ah, you only care about yourself, so I only care about my, uh, myself, and people become tight-fisted, and it becomes a very not generous society. Once there was an increase in women that walk with their necks stretched up, and winking with their eyes. In other words, once women began to behave in a more promiscuous way, is really there should have been Rabu Maim Hamarim. Ultimately, one thing leads to the other, and there should have been more cases where women would become a Saita. Ella, going back to our Mishnah, Ella Shapasku, the Chachamim stopped it. And that was Rabbi Yechenen ben Zakai, because he felt that it's really not going to work because the men are also not behaving properly. When there was an increase in people receiving gifts, the days were decreased, and the years were shortened. And this is as it says, only those who hate gifts, they will live. Remember when they bought the Rebbe a new car after many, many, many years? No one told him about it. it was sometimes in the late 80s, he walked out of 770, he saw the car wasn't his, and he quoted this passage. He said, 
and he went back to his old car. Mishanabu Tzachtzuchei Halev. Tzachtzuchei Halev means when there was an increase in arrogant people, in haughty people. Says Rashi, almost all the way to the end of the Amid, She'ein matim es oznam l'shmoya yafa, mipi rabam. Haughty meaning when a student felt, I understand it all. I don't have to pay attention properly when my teacher is teaching because I can rely on my own understanding. So they didn't pay attention. So they didn't properly learn. And that led back in the Gemara, there was an increase in arguments amongst the Jewish people. And as we just learned in our Mishnah, that the first machlekes that happened amongst the Jewish people was during the end of the era of Yoisi ben Yezer, Ish Tzereda, and Yoisi ben Yechanan, Ish Yerushalayim. And as the Gemara says that Mishirabu, you know, there were many students, but they didn't have shimush. The whole sugi of shimush we learned in Saita Dav And we also interpret it when they were not proper chasidim. They didn't have someone to look up to to follow every behavior. There was an increase in arguments in halacha amongst the Jewish people. And that led to Vanasa Hashem gave us one taita. But there began to be so many different opinions that it appears that there are two titus, or more than two titus. And as the Masha points us to, there we'll learn the whole sugi of when one could and when one should not receive tzedakah from non-Jews. But when, when people began to increasingly receive when they should not have, so how you throw As Rashi says, Balashan Kino, it's a euphemism. We don't even want a word. So we word it in the opposite. So the Yidin were above and they were below. Yisrael were inside and they were Laakhar, they were on the outside. In other words, there is a when we take a step down, that has a consequence that standards are lowered and it goes from bad to worse. And obviously this Gemara is not here to make us feel, God forbid, or depressed. But this actually is a map of how to go back up. In other words, when we understand what led to the lowering of our society, we have to take the opposite steps to go back up. So here we understand the importance of being humble, the importance of being modest, the importance of being honest, the importance of being generous, the importance of never showing favoritism, the importance of having a system in where the, the uh, based in will have the ultimate authority, etc., etc. Back in the Gemara, Mishameis, recording from the Mishnah Yosi ben Yezer. So, Batlu Eshkoiloi says the Gemara, what's the meaning that from, when, from their passing there was no more clusters, Eshkoiloi? Amar of Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, the word Eshkol is a composite of Ish, Shahakoil Boy. That we used to have people that they knew everything. And not only knowledge is that they were godly and they were God-fearing and they loved God and they were passionate and they were knowledgeable, etc. Yechen and Koen Gadol was the one that Hevir Hoidoyas Mai said he stopped, he took away the mitzvah that is done twice in the seven-year cycle. Erev Pesach of the fourth year, Erev Pesach of the seventh year of people coming to the Beis Amigdash and making a declaration called the Confession of Maestres. My time, oh, why did he take it away? Look at this. When we learned the Mishnah yesterday, we did not speak it out correctly. We said because people didn't give all the Maestres. Here, the Gemara is saying, people were giving. The ones who were going to make the declaration were giving all the Trumas from Maestres. But they were not doing it properly. Why? They were not giving it the way it really should have been given. 
Hashem said, Do you have a That my sedition should be given to the Levim. Daf Memches Anan, and after the decree of Ezra, as Rashi points out, and we learn this together in Yavamis, that when Ezra came back up in the beginning of the Second Temple era from the Jewish people, the Levim were the ones that came up in the lowest number. There were hardly any Levium, so he penalized the Levium by telling the Jewish community, my sedition should no longer be given to the Levium, it should be given to the Kahanim, and therefore back in the Gemara, even on the Kahanim. So therefore they were, they were separating all the Trumas from Isris. Why did Yechon and Kain Gadol nullify it? Because they weren't giving it. They weren't giving it because they were bound to Ezra. But the bottom line is, they were not giving it to the Levium. Why couldn't they say the words, on the other Maestres, as Rashi brings from the Pasik in Kisavai, that they would say, you know, So skip, skip the Levi. So Lakish, you can't, because once you cannot make the confession that you gave the Maestres to La Levi, in other words, you can't, you can cut out the end of the Pasik, but you can't skip. So if you can't start with the beginning, you can't say any of it. And my time, Omer Abaya, Hoyelu Pasach, Be'akos of Tchilu. You see, in the Pasach, La Levi is mentioned first. Period. Now, by the way, it's very important to note, especially by Divine Providence now, when we're learning the Sugya by Yosetz Chaneke, Tavshin Ayin Vav, and we speak every day in the davening, right, about Matis Yob and Yechanan, Koen Gadol. So, and we also learn together that there was a Yechanan Koen Gadol that was a... Uh, that he was Meshamesh, he was a Koen Gadol for 80 years, imagine. And then he became a Tzduki. We also learned way back, Abai and Rav, I think Abai was the one that said that Yanai HaMelech was Yechon and Kohen Gadol. This is not for right now, but just to be aware that there's a big discussion and there's a Machlik Yisrishonim as to how many Yechon and Kohen Gadols were they. There was the father of Matasio was Yechon and Kohen Gadol. Then perhaps Yechon and Kohen Gadol had a son, had many sons. I'm sorry, um, Matasio had, had many sons. One of them was called Shimon. Shimon had a son called Yechonon. Maybe that was the one that was Meshamash for 80 years. But don't forget that whichever Yechon and Kengadol it was, it was a Yechon and Kengadol that came many years after Ezra. So that's always, that was always, I was wondering, like, what happened until Yechon and Kengadol? How did they say La Levi? In other words, the Gemara is saying that no behavior was lowered. They were doing what they needed to do. Yechon and Kengadol came ahead and he said, well, if it's not La Levi, then you can't say it. Anyways, back in the Gemara. So the Gemara is saying clearly, Michlal, what are you telling me? You, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanino, that it's not like the other cases in the Mishnah where people started to behave in a, in a lower standard, so they stopped certain mitzvahs because it just wouldn't work. No, they were doing what they were told to do. They were separating the maestres. It's only because of the not giving it to the Levi, following Ezra, Bohatanya. Now, according to another Braisa, and it appears that he was Mavatal, Hoidoes Maser, because people Pashat stopped giving Maisras. It says, Afu Bittel, he, Yechen and Kengadol, also nullified Esadvidui, and the same Yechen and Kengadol, Vigazar Aladamai, as we learned yesterday. He made the decree that whenever we buy food from a person who's not called a Chavar, and if I, I always will be obligated to separate, as we'll see in a moment, those tithes that a, 
important minority were no longer giving. Lefi says the says the Baraisa Shashalach Bechol Gvul Eretz Yisrael Yechin and Kain Gadol sent out agents to observe what's happening amongst all of the borders of the Jewish people. Vera and he saw Sheid Mafrishin that the people were only separating. All the people were only separating Trumagadayla Bolvad. Trumagadayla, everyone separated. However, Maisid Yishin. The, 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 the first Maisid, O Maisid Shani, Miktsasan Ma'asrin, U Miktsasan Ein Ma'asrin. There was a significant minority that were not separating Maisid Ishin and Maisid Shani. Now, by the way, by Din Taira, we go after the majority. In other words, as long as the majority of people were separating all of the Trumas or which they were, then I'm good. I can rely on the majority. So what he did was Atakonas Chachamim. In other words, he wasn't enforcing Torah law. He added the stringency. Now he realized, why is it that people, everyone was giving Truma Gedayla. Not everyone was giving Maiserishin, Maiserishini. So he said, Bini, my children, let me explain to you that just like Truma Gedayla, he understood that everyone is giving Truma Gedayla because they understood the, the seriousness of it. From the punishment, you know, the severity. If a person eats Truma Gedayla, someone who's not allowed to eat it, the punishment is Misa Bidei Shamayim. So he told people, just like you appreciate the sin of having Truma Gedayla, Kach Truma Smeiser, and Tevel, Yeish Bohen Oven Misa, there is also a Misa Bidei Shamayim when it comes to Trumas, when it comes to Truma Smeiser and Tevel. Now Truma Smeiser means that once you separated the Maiserishan, then before you take off 10% from it, Right, Maiser and Maiser, and give it to the Kayan, then there's Taka Misebede Shamaim. It's consistent. What causes Misebede Shamaim? Eating Truma. So either it's the Tevel that doesn't have Truma separated, or it's the Maiserishin that doesn't have the Truma's Maiser separated. Question is, why, what did he mean when he said that Tevel has Ovain Misa? So here there's a very important Machlekes Rashi in the Rambam. Whichever one it means, he was explaining to them that you need to separate all of the Trumas from Isis. And even though, again, most people did it, so Ahmad he stood up, and he made a takana for the Chavedim, that when you buy produce from those people who have amongst them a minority, but a significant minority that are not taking off my sedition, my sedition, my sedition, my sedition, my sedition. Truma, you don't have to take off. Everyone took off Truma. You only have to separate my sedition and then separate my sedishani. Now, my sedition, once you separated the my sedition, now you have the opportunity to take from it Truma's Maiser. And what do you do with that? Said Yechenen Kain Gadol, that you have to give to the Kain. What do you do with the my sedishani? It's yours. Take it up and eat it in Yerushalayim. However, my sedition and my sedani, which was taken off, on the third and on the sixth year, in the place of Maiser Shani, you don't have to give it at all. Not you have to give it to the Levi, nor do you have to give it to the Ani. Why? Because In other words, when it comes to tithing, there are two different things that are happening at the same time. There is, there is dinim of Isr Beheter, and that is something that we have to be machmerin. And then there's also a monetary issue. Now, we are going, according to the opinion, as we learned a few times together, it's really a machloikas tanoim, whether my sedition has kedusha in it. In other words, does it have to be eaten only by Levim? We paskin, according to those tanoim that hold that my sedition has no kedusha, 
Anyone can eat it. It's only the money of the levy. Likewise, Maiser Ani. Maiser Ani for sure has no Kedusha in it. So when it comes to giving the Maiser Ishin or the Maiser Ani, after I separated it, I can claim, listen here, I separated it from the rest, so the rest is not called Tevil. How about this in itself? I don't have to give it to you. Prove to me that the Amo Aretz, from whom I bought it, didn't give it. Maybe he did give it. So what do you do with it? You can sell it to them. Well, sell it to the Levi. The truth is you don't even have to sell it to the Levi because there's no Kedusha in it. All, you only separated my sedition in order for you to be able to separate from it Trumas Meiser. Now, the question is, then, then it's only a monetary issue. When it comes to monetary issues, you can say, and you can actually even eat it because it's money. Now, the question here is the following. When it comes to Trumas Meiser, once you separate the Trumas Meiser, the question is, why do you have to give it to the Kayan? Why can't you sell it to the coin? Same thing. Once you separated the Trumas Meiser, the remaining is already tithed. So now the only question is, do you owe it to the coin? Why can't he say, explains Rashi, that really you, you would have been able to do that. But Rabbi Yechonim and Zakeh was afraid that if you would keep it in your house and you would wait for a coin to pay for it, you accidentally might eat it. And you eating Trumas Meiser, that's, that's Misabedei Shemayim. You eating my sedition is not even a suffix. You eating my sedition is only a monetary issue. There's no, there's no isr v'heter issue. So back, back over here, so what, that's the end of the b'raisa. The question is, it appears that during the times of Yechen and Kain Gadol, people, at least a significant minority, but a significant minority of people, were not giving the other maestres as well. So it appears that why did he take away the vidui maeser? Because it's not only that people were giving the Maiser Ishin to the coin instead of to the Levi. They weren't giving it. They weren't giving Maiser Ani. It appears from the Brai said, that's why he was Mavatalit, says the Gemara. It's not true. There were two separate Takanas. Tarta Tikein, Bittl Vidi de Chaveirim. It was of Amachavar. How have I? And I know that when I bought the produce or when I have a field and I harvested my produce, I gave all the tithings. I know I did it. Even on me, Rabbi Yechelim and Zakai said, don't say it. Now, the reason there is not because maybe it wasn't done. It's because since I'm bound by the Takan of Ezra, which means I never gave the Maiserishin to the Levi, I only gave it to the Kayin. So that's why he said, you can't say La Levi. And that's the beginning of the Pasuk, you can't say any of it. And he also made a Gezeira on the Maishalami Haaretz. And as we spoke out yesterday, that means that if I'm a Chavar, and I buy produce from you who are a Chavar, before Rabbi Yechenem and Zakai, I needed to ask you, let me ask you, you hover, did you buy it from Amaretz? Were you machmer upon yourself? I needed to ask that question. Once Rabbi Yechenem and Zakai made the takana that everyone always has to take off, as we just explained, some of the tithes, if they brought it from Amaretz, now I know that everyone did it. So I don't even have to ask, did you do it again? If you are a hover, for sure, you, were, you tithed the demai. <laughs> Continue the Mishnah of who Rabbi Yechelem and Zakai also, he stopped the mo'erim, the, the, the wakers, the awakeners. And he also, he stopped the noikfim, the, the knackers, 
So what does that mean? The strikers. So first of all, who are the awakeners? Every single morning. When the Leviim stood up on their platform, while they were getting ready to sing the Shir Shalayim. So they also mentioned the following Pasuk of Tehillim. Ura, wake up! Hashem, God Almighty, why are you sleeping? That's a Pasuk in Tehillim. So one second. So asked Rabbi Yechelem and Zakai to them. You're telling Hashem to wake up. What, are you implying that God is sleeping? Of course not. It says, Hashem doesn't sleep. He doesn't even slumber. The guardian of Israel. So what must that verse mean? Not that God forbid God is sleeping. All it means is that that during the times that the Jewish people are being oppressed and the Oiv are living benachas v'shalva. So it appears as if God is sleeping. So in such a period, it makes sense for us to cry out, Hashem, wake up, meaning reveal yourself so it should be apparent to us that you're not sleeping. However, Rabbi Yechonim and Zakai, Rabbi Yechonim and Kain Gadol lived at a time that it was very good for the Jewish people. Now, if it's very good for the Jewish people, we are living benachas. So then when people would hear the Levim crying out, Ura Lamasishan Hashem, there they might mistakenly misunderstand that the Levim are actually telling Hashem, wake up, and that sounds disrespectful. Hashem is already revealed, it's good for us. So during times of nachas, of peace, he asked the Levim in the Beis Hamikdash in public not to quote, not to cry out this Pasuk of Tehillim. The times when they were in the Especially, especially during Zman Bayesheni, that's the whole story of Hanukkah. Actually, in the majority of the times in the second bias, it was there was difficult times for the Jewish people. Correct. The Esanoikvim, he also nullified Yechenikon Gadol, the strikers, my Noikvim, who were the strikers, Omar of Yudamashmuel, Shahoya Mas Nisartim, Leegel Ben Karnov, they would cut the calves or the animals that were about to be slaughtered as sacrifices, they would make a cut in between the animal's horns. Why did they do that? For blood, a little bit of blood to enter the animal's eyes. And therefore the animal will have a hard time standing on his feet because, you know, the eyes are filled with blood and that will facilitate knocking the animal to the ground in order to slaughter it without having to have this struggle with an animal. This is Karbanish Chitam. So you want the procedure to go smoother. He came and he nullified it. Why? It looks as if we made the animal blemished. Even though there are halachas of blemishes of animals. Again, I think there are 60 categories of blemishes on an animal. And this is not one of them having a cut somewhere, a very superficial cut. But a, a, an observer will think, ah, even an animal that's blemished could be brought. In the Brayse, we learned another explanation. It wasn't that they used to cut the animal between the horns, but they used to beat it with a stick. Same logic. And that was actually also the practice of idol worshippers. For the same reason, they banged it, so the animal got a little bit, you know, woozy. The animal got a little bit off balance, so they knocked it to the feet. And he told them, Wow, until when are you going to give nevela on the altar? So asks the Gemara, nevelas? That is what he said? Why nevela? 
we, we always slaughtered the animals. Elo, what, it, what he meant was trefos. What's trefos? There are 18 categories of blemishes in an animal that if an animal has one of those 18, that even if you shech the animal, the animal meat is treif. One of them is if the membrane that goes around the brain is punctured. And he was afraid that when you bang the animal on the head, you might accidentally puncture the membrane. Now, halachically, you only have to check it if the majority of the brain is missing. And that wasn't the case over here. But it was a precaution. Ella, today for Shema Nikav Krum Shalmayach, he made a takana. This is the wisdom of the Chachamim. He didn't only take away a behavior. The behavior was there for a reason. So he addressed the reason. And he instituted that they should put rings in the ground. Tabois bekarka, amachlekes, whether there were rings that were used to put the neck of the animal in it. So that's how the animal was, sort of, it was smoother to shechtet. Or it was rings where you hung chains, and the chains used to bind the feet of the animals. Be that as it may, he changed the way animals were slaughtered in the Beis HaMikdash. Vaiter Ad Yomov, until the days of Yechen and Kain Gadol, Hoyapatish, Makebirushalayim, you can hear the sound of a hammer, of an anvil, of a chisel, of tools, of a blacksmith banging in Yerushalayim, Bechoylo Shomoyed, as we explained yesterday, that Choyl Hamoyed is a mini yontif. And you, you, we begin with the premise, one is not a lot of work, only, and there are exceptions. It's not like you could work, but there are a few things that you can't do. No, no, we're not a lot of work on Chalamoyit. There are exceptions when one could. One of those exceptions is Bidavar Ha'avud, if there's going to be something that will be ruined if it's not done immediately, or certain opportunities that will be fully lost if they are not addressed to right now. And even though people only used to work in a, in a smith, being that it made that much noise, and when you walked in the streets of Yerushalayim, you heard the businesses working, people wouldn't know that they're working only. So in order not to have the noise of business, he nullified it, even bedavar ha'avid. Kol yam of lohi ha'adam tzarech lishalal demai, as we just explained, that after his takana, everyone took off, again, maiser ishin, maiser sheni, maiser ani, anyways, so there's no need to inquire when one chavar buys it from another chavar, I know the other chavar wasn't machmer, the other chavar followed the takana of Yechelen Kain Gadol. Continues the Mishnah. Mishabat la Sanhedrin, from when the Sanhedrin seized. And here there is a machlaikis, whether this means from when the temple was destroyed, or, and this is actually as it says in Talmud Yerushalmi, or does it mean, as we will learn in Masechta Sanhedrin, that 40 years before the second temple was destroyed, the Sanhedrin relocated itself away from the Lishkas Hagazes, away from the Beis HaMikdash, and they actually went into exile, not once, not twice, but ten times, until they ended up in Tiveria, and it was there that they fully ceased to function, and that's our tradition, that when Moshiach will come, when they will reconvene, they will reconvene in Tiveria. Now, so Mishabatla Sanhedrin, either it is in the base Chubrana Baisheni, or 40 years before, the Chachamim made a decree, Batel Hashir mi Beis Hamishtois. You're not allowed to have music playing when people get together and drink wine. There's no more music at parties. Shenemad, as it says in a Pasik Bashir, that when there is music, don't drink wine. Or when you are drinking wine, don't listen to music. The question is, how do we know that this Pasik? 
is only from the times of Mishabatla Sanhedrin. And that's something that the Gemara in, will ask right away in the beginning. And more of that in the Gemara. When the first prophets passed away, we will see in the, in the Gemara who does this refer to? Batlu Urim Vitumim. Urim Vitumim. Machloikas Rishonim. For those of us who learn Chitas, let's learn out the way Rashi learns. In the Chayshin Mishpat, in the breastplate that the Kain Gadol wore on his chest, one of the eight big day Kain Gadol, you had in it a fold, and in that fold, under the stones, there was a parchment, and that parchment is what's called the Urim Vetumim, that which gives light, and that which is wholesome, and that, through that, the godliness became revealed, that when there was a question, that should have been inquired of Hashem, the question was asked either by the Kohen Gadol himself or someone asked it to the Kohen Gadol while he was dressed with the Urim Vetumim. And letters from the Chayshin Mishpat used to protrude or shine in a protruding way. And with Ruach HaKadosh, the Kohen Gadol would look at those letters and would understand the response that Hashem is giving. Very important. It wasn't that the whole thing was spelled out, now, the most famous example is, is that when Eli the Kohen Gadol asked, who is this Chana? And he thought that she's a Shikaira. So the Vart is, is that the letters were protruding. But really, they should have formed the words Kshayra. Kshayra and Shikaira have the same letters. And he didn't put it together properly. So it was first a certain type of godly revelation of shining letters. And then the Kohen Gadol needed with his Ruach HaKadosh to decipher them to put them together the way they should be. So from when there was no long, I'm sorry, from when there was no Nevi'im Rashaynim, there was no longer Urim Vitumim. Mishachar HaBais when the temple was destroyed, Batal HaShamir, the worm called the Shamir, one of the items that Hashem created, Ben Hashmashes, we'll learn about this in the Gemara here, no longer exists. It became nullified. And the Neifes Tzufim, Rashi says, we'll see in the Gemara, what's Neifes Tzufim? Mishapasko Anshe Amana, says Rashi here in the Mishnah, when people who are Betuchim B'Hakadosh, Boitchim B'Hakadosh Baruch people who had real Betuchim in Hashem, and they relied on God, to do good, when a person is going to do something good, which will cost them money, many times, without a Muna, you can say, how can I spend this amount of money on a mitzvah? Or certainly, if I'm doing it beyond the letter of the law, why should I spend this money on a hider mitzvah? Not I'm obligated, and I need that money. Now, people who do it are people who have betrachen. They know that God will re- replace it tenfold, a thousandfold. For that, you have to have a muna. Once the temple was destroyed, there was a tremendous diminu- diminution of people that have a muna. Shedemar, as it says, Hashia Hashem, help us, O God. Why? Because there are no more chasidim. And we're using the word chasid as beyond the letter of the law. You'd never stop keeping the mitzvahs. No Jew ever said, ah, kosher is more expensive, I'm not going to spend the money on kosher. But when it came to those areas where you're not obligated, but you want to go like a chasid, for that you have to have a munah. And vigoyimen, as the passage continues, that pasu adam. In other words, those of faith vanished. Our pasu, they vanished from the, from mankind. Rabbi Shiva Megamliel says, Hey, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua testified that from the day the temple was destroyed, there isn't a single day that there isn't a curse. And dew that never ceases, right? That's the whole beginning of Tainus. But there is the dew falling, 
And there is dew that can fall, but it won't give that level of blessing. And the Tal Livracha, during the times of the Beis Amigdash, when the dew fell, even on straw, it gave life into it. It turned green. After the Beis Amigdash was destroyed, dew can fall on straw. All it does is it makes it wet. It ruins it even worse. It becomes black. And also, the nickel tampeda is the taste, the flavor that used to be in fruits. That's something untangible that went away. Not only was the untangible taken away from the world, but more than that, the richness, the physical richness from the fruits were also taken away. Rabshim ben Elazar says that Hatahara, that from the moment there was a lack of the standard of Tahara, as, we, as the, as the Mepharshim say over here, that there was a great movement, this man Bayesheni, that even though they were only eating chulin, they ate chulin al-tahara, al-tahara's truma, remember that? Al-tahara's akoydish, beyond the letter of the law. So when they did that, you know, so then there was, there was more physical blessings in the world. But once they stopped doing it, is nitla, es hatam, the taste and the fragrance left, left, all of the produce. Hamaisres, once people stopped giving proper maisres, not lo es shuman hadogen, the richness of grain was taken away from the world. As the Marsha explains, tahara is something spiritual. Flavor and taste is something spiritual. So when we lacked, when we lowered our spiritual standings, so then there was a diminution of something untangible in the physical. Taste, flavor. When we actually stopped giving physical maestres, it affected the physical part of the grain. The fatness of the grain was diminished. In other words, our level of connection to Hashem not only affects us and affects the moral, ethical standings of the society, as we learned previously, but it actually ultimately affects the physical world. The Chachamim, the Chachamim say that has nus that the being promiscuous and the kshafim and people that started to practice all sorts of narish magics is kilu es it destroyed everything. It brought poverty into the world. Zenos always brings poverty, depravity, but, and, and kshafim always brings corruption. That's one of the messages of Saita. So, it's... Again, not, it's, not, it's not for us to feel depressed, it's to understand the connection between one and the other. And once we make those links, we, we take in these connections, then we know how to work our way up again. When, when, there's a, when, when we will stop with the znus and the kshafim, there's going to be, uh, there won't be kilo hakoil. When we're going to start eating on a higher level of tahara, there's going to be more fragrance and flavor in the world. When we're going to give more maizid, there's going to be shuman apetus. Just reverse it, and all that will be in the positive. Says the Gemara, as we spoke out, the Mishnah said, Misha Sanhedrin, Batl Hashir, they made a decree that you can't play music while you are getting together to drink wine in a wine gathering. Umi mai, how do you know that this verse that says Bishir is speaking about the time that the Sanhedrin was bottled. Maybe it's a, another time related to something else. We say in the Pasuk that the elders no longer were sitting at the gates. And then it says that the youngsters no longer are singing while they're drinking wine. Clear, there's the link between when the elders are sitting in their gate, then, when you, then you can have a wine party with music. After that, you're not allowed to. Amarav says Rav, and here we're going to have a whole regarding the prohibition of listening to music. And let's 
read the Gemara and then speak out a little bit. This is a sugya that many people are not familiar with. It says, Rav Udna, the Shama Zimra, if an ear is listening to music, and most people explain this, if a person is constantly listening to music, after the temple was destroyed, that can bring into the person a certain level of kalus, of frivolity, and te'akar, that ear should be torn away. If there's music in a home, again, if a person is constantly playing music in their home, then churva besifa, you are bringing destruction in the threshold of your home. As it says, that when you have when a voice will sing out from the window, in other words, when there's music playing in the home, then desolation will come at the threshold. And then the Pasuk continues, which means, for the cedar word is a city. Like, what does that mean? Says the Gemara. Omar Ashi says, What's the meaning that for cedar work is a city? That if a house is built amongst cedar woods, just because it's built amongst cedar woods, is the house itself as strong as an entire city? No, it's not. The house is just a house. Even if a house is in a very uh, strong location, if there is constant frivolity, Expressed here by having music being played there the entire time, then Misroyeya, then the house becomes destroyed. Ravashi says Ravashi. We see from this expression that that when destruction begins, it begins from where? It begins from the threshold. As it says, that destruction comes from the threshold. There's another passage that says, that the, the desolation, Yukashad, will bang against its gates. In other words, even physically, it's an amazing thing. When a house is not occupied, when a house is uh, abandoned, so even wild animals sense it, and they come, and they start banging against the walls of the house to break it down completely. And, and they, these animals that start goring into a house or banging into an abandoned house, into an empty house, they are really manifestations of certain energies. There are certain negative energies that they occupy desolate areas. So when there's a certain vacuum of, 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 of God-fearingness in a home, so these energies come and they occupy it. I saw the demon, this demon of destruction, and he was goring the house like a ox. Omar Rafuna says, Rafuna, the following, or more about music, that Zimra, the Nagdei, Nagdei Taichis Rashi, the people who are working as being boat haulers, so people that work on the dock, that they have to, with ropes, bring the ships onto the port. That's a very physical, strenuous work, and it's difficult to do it. They listen to music, that's good. In other words, they are listening to music, not because they are frivolous, but this is something that will allow them to work better. Likewise, when you're plowing with oxes, and you want the oxes to plow in a straight line, oxen, and the oxen might stop. So you want to relax the oxen. So you play music for them, that's also permissible. But they got But when you have weavers, for example, weavers are people who work, and it's a non-strenuous work. So they don't need it to relax them. They're relaxed already. 
You're listening to it the whole time. That is only something of frivolity. So that is where it's usher. Now we'll see oh, that. Like wait, wait, wait. So wait, wait, wait. Now in the Mishnah we learned that the isr of playing music is during a wine gathering. And now we're going to see in the Gemara that during the later times of the Amirayim, there were those that amplified this decree. Says Rafuna, Rafuna battles Zimra. Rafuna totally prohibited there being music, not even when there was a wine gathering. And you know what that did, as we are learning over here, that our spiritual behavior affects even the physical blessings in this world that brought about such a tremendous bracha in the world that that during the time in the communities in the areas that abided by the, the, their Rav Rafuna, a thousand geese I'm sorry, a hundred geese could be bought with one zuz and even that was considered you're not getting the full bang for your buck or a hundred saw of chita of wheat can be brought with one zuz. People still didn't want to pay that much money. That's how much blessings were offered in that place. And the Marsha points out beautifully, he quotes from Pede Karoya in Brachis, that if a person sees a geese or a goose in his dream, that's a sign of wisdom because they are the singers amongst the animals. Likewise, we have in Hasidus the Maimar Chazal that until a child tastes the taste of wheat, he doesn't know how to say Abba or Ima. In other words, that these are physical items that are connected to Chachma. So, in other words, the link here is, you're not outruling music. You are telling people, sit and learn Torah. Occupy your home with words that have content in it. That will open up Chachma in the world. When there's Chachma in the world, even the geese or wheat, which are physical manifestations connected to Chachma, that will also increase... Now came along Rab Chizda Zilzalbe. And like Rashi says, Rab Chizda was not, God forbid, Mizalzal in Rafuna. All Rab Chizda did was, Rafuna made a decree that's very difficult to keep. No music, no music. When people were listening to music, Rab Chizda did not enforce Rafuna's din. And by the way, Rab Chizda was Rafuna's Talmud. So now that he didn't enforce it, the blessing went away. Then it went back to normal. That you want to buy a geese with one zuz, one zuz is not enough money. The blessing that for one zuz you can buy a hundred geese, that was taken away. Omar Rabbi Yosef says, Rabbi Yosef, before we go on, I just want to say the following. This sounds, many people are unfamiliar with it. So first of all, this is something that's spoken out on Shulchan Aruch, like everything else, and we're not paskening dinim. But it's good if people have an opportunity to look in Igris Moshe, Chelek Aleph, the Igris Kuf Samach Vav, in the Tshuva 166, he wrote a Tshuva regarding this whole subject. He called it Be'ingen Isur Zimra Bezman Hazeh. And I, I just wrote down a couple of quoting a few words. He writes, Ein lesser Bottom line is, if it's not in a party, in an area where people are gathering and drinking wine, then there is no Isur. Then he writes, Ledvar Mitzvah Mutar. Ledvar Mitzvah would be, let's say, a wedding. The whole question that Moshe has, he calls it a banquet. When you have these banquets, and the banquets are fundraisers. It's honoring people who give tzedakah. Rav Moshe has a question whether those banquets are called dvar mitzvah. Because he argues, giving tzedakah is a mitzvah. See, dancing with the chasen and kala is a mitzvah. Sitting and having a banquet and enjoying a meal, 
in relation to a fundraiser, the money is the mitzvah. The meal is not the mitzvah. So Rav Moshe is, is machmer. And he writes over there that uh, you shouldn't protest those who do play music during these fundraisers. Then he speaks about the radio. And he differentiates between listening to people singing, which is less problematic, versus instruments playing, which is more problematic. And he writes that even on the radio, if people are going to do it, there are those who are makel. But that is where he writes that during Sfira, that is when we should not listen, even on the radio, to instruments playing music. Back in the Gemara, Omer Rabbi Yosef says, Rabbi Yosef, Zamore Gavre, if you have a group of people playing music, and who are the singers' men? And women in the audience are responding. So that is something which is pritzesdik. That's very not modest. However, if you have zamrei nashi, if women are the ones singing, and men are the one responding, that's like fire in flax. You know, we all have a yetzer hara. The chachma is, why do you have to incite it? And having women sing, and on top of that, the men are listening to the lyrics, and they're responding to it, that's throwing fire in flags. The whole thing will catch fire. Huh? Okay, so now the question is, being that even men singing and women responding is pritsusa, that's also terrible. We don't want to have a society where people behave immodestly. So Lamainaf Kamina, is it a pritzis or is it like fire in a flax? They're both not acceptable. Says the Gemara, Levatuli ha mikamaha. They're both not acceptable, but at the end of the day, there are different levels. And sometimes when you want to upgrade the behavior of a society, you can't go right away for gold. You have to go incrementally. You have to first stop this behavior and then stop that behavior step by step. So if you have to choose which one you need to stop first, first you have to stop the Zimri Nashiva Ami Gavri. Another interesting uh, thing to speak out, that one of the reasons why they made this issue of, of, of having music being played the base hamishta of wine in the Mishnah after the Sanhedrin was nullified because of the lyrics of the song. That's also very powerful. And the Chachamim were afraid that when the Sanhedrin was, was functioning, if people were to make lyrics that are not appropriate, the Sanhedrin would stop it. Or people to begin with wouldn't have done it. Once there was no Sanhedrin, they were afraid that the, that the lyrics that were inserted in the music, they will be not appropriate. And they have tremendous power. In a positive way, many techniques of having people learn and memorize is by singing in a melody. There's a big koyach to that. So, so the power, music is intoxicating. For the good and God forbid the opposite. And when you have music that have lyrics that are, that are advocating something that's not toiradik, it has a very deep, unfort, not good impact on the person. Continues the Gemara. If a person is drinking wine while they are hearing four types of musical instruments, that brings not only to them something not good, the power of the individual is in the positive, and meruba midatreva, but this Gemara is speaking here in the not positive. That if a person, if an a individual list, drinks wine while they are listening, to instruments playing, four instruments, they bring five different types of destructive forces into the whole world. They hurt the entire world. Maybe Chamash Purani Yisla as it says, Hoi, woe is it to those who are Mashkimi Babaykir who wake up in the morning and Sheikhar Yirdoy for running after beer. Who runs after beer? First of all, we learned this not that long ago. Beer here means date beer. 
People who drink or over drink wine get hangovers. And one of the good antidotes that deal with a wine hangover is date beer. So people who wake up in the morning, woe is to them if they're right away running for date beer, which proves that that they were at night, they were up to staying up late drinking wine that was yadlikim, that was putting them on fire and not a holy fire, and they were drinking it while, while there was a kinoid, we would call it today a fiddle, it means here a harp, nevel is another type of string instrument, and toif means a drum, and halal means a flute, here you have the four types of instruments, and viyayin mishteim, and they were drinking wine while listening to music, and it wasn't a dvar mitzvah, and the passage continues, v'spoil Hashem, loyabitu, and they did not contemplate on the deeds of Hashem. So Mike Sevachrov, what does the passage say later? Lochein mibli do'as. That's why our people, God forbid, went into exile because of this ignorance. They didn't understand how we should stay away from hearing music and drinking wine, which leads to frivolity. And this is talking something that externally you don't see the, what's the end of the world. So I was having a good time. But if it's not done in the right setting, A leads to B, B leads to C. And ultimately we go into exile. And it brings exile to the entire world. Even the honorable people, even the honorable people, end up dying from hunger. And the groups of people, the Hamoinam, is Seichot Sama, they become parched from thirst. What's thirst? It causes Taita to be forgotten. And the passage continues, Vayishach Adam, and people will become humbled. Vayishpoil Ish, and even a Ish is brought down. Which means, Shegarmim Shiflus Lesoinish Alakadish Baruchu, euphemism. No, it's, it brings the Shekhinah into Golos. It lowers down Ish. Ve'enish Elah HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As it says, Hashem Ish Mulchama. Ve'enig Vayim Tishpalna. And the eyes of the Hordi will also be brought lower. In other words, it's not that they bring Sadiqim down. It affects everyone. It affects them. It affects the world. It affects the Shekhinah. Shegarmim Shiflus Al Yisrael. This causes the degradation of the Jewish people. Mike Siv Achrev. What does it say afterwards? Lachin, turning the page. That through this frivolous behavior, the sho'el gets an enlarged appetite. And it opens its mouth wide without limit. And viyana, then in it will descend hadara, its glory, the hamayna and its multitude, ushayna and the hordes, and va'alezba and those who rejoice in her. In other words, that this kalos brings about a destruction in the entire world. And as we spoke out, the whole point of this sugya is to teach us how do we climb out of it, that when we choose to have simcha shal mitzvah, when our joy, when our music is related to a mitzvah, then this does the opposite. Then this actually elevates us and we all crawl out of the shoil, and ultimately, as we, can, we, we will continue to learn, all of these steps down are actually, the, 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 this knowledge will teach us how exactly do we step back up. Now continues the Gemara, quoting from the Mishnah, that Mishnah said the Mishnah that the Urim V'tumim was batel. It was abolished. 
asks the Gemara, Ma'an Nevi'im Harishainim, who are these earlier prophets? Amar Afuna, this refers, and we're going to use the version of the Messiah Sashas, who just reorders the next three words. It's Shmuel, David, and Shlema. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says that be made David, that even in the days of David HaMelech, Zimnin, Salik, sometimes the Urim Vitumim worked, Zimnin, Le Salik, sometimes it did not work. And again, speaking out that in the Chayshin Mishpat, Chitas Rashi, there was a fold, in the fold there was a parchment. And on the parchment you had various Shemois or the Shem Ab of Hashem written, and that is what gave the Chayshin Mishpat the power to work. Meaning, when someone inquired, when someone asked the question to the Urim Vitomim while it was being worn by the Kain Gadol, so then certain letters that were engraved on those stones used to lighten up. And with Ruach HaKodesh, the Kain Gadol would put those letters together and would have the response. And here comes the story, Sharei, I'll prove to you that even in the days of David, sometimes it did work and sometimes it did not work. Sha'al Tzadok, there was a... When David HaMelech, Rashi says, was running away from the son of Shalom, he inquired of the Urim V'tumim, and when Evi Yasser was the Kain Gadol, there was no answer. And that actually was the reason why David HaMelech felt that Evi Yasser should no longer be the Kain Gadol. Who became the Kain Gadol? Tzadik. And when he asked Tzadik also, he had a response. It was only when Shol Aviyasar that Viloy also loy. Shinamar as it says, Vayaal Aviyasar that he sent away Aviyasar. Period. So until the days of Nevi, until the Neviim Arishainim, it worked at least sometimes, but once they passed away, it no longer worked. Asks the Gemara Masiv Rabba Bar it says regarding King Uziah, who lived 150 years after the passing of Shleim HaMelech, that when Uziah would acquire of Hashem, and we are using the emendation of the Bach, during the lifetime of Zechariah, who understood how to see this response of godliness, my love, does that not mean that King Uziyoh used to inquire of Zechariah through the Urim V'tumim? So we see that the Urim V'tumim was with us, was working, was solid, even after the Nevi'im Rishonim, says the Gemara Lavna, not necessarily, you cannot refute our interpretation of the Mishnah from here. Loi, it means Benevi'im or Benevius, meaning that King Uziyoh was inquiring of the prophets to know what Hashem wants. But not that he was inquiring of the Urim V'tumim. And now the Gemara is going to refute the interpretation that we have over here of Rab Nachman. Says the Gemara Toshema. I'm sorry, of the Gemara that it was Nevi'im Rishonim. Toshema, we learned in Abraisa that Mishachara Beis HaMikdash Rishon. That when the first temple was destroyed, then Batlu Arimigrash, the cities of Migrash, the open area cities that needed to surround the Ari Halavim. And also then, Upasku Urim V'tumim, did the Urim V'tumim no longer work. They ceased to work. Upasak Melech Mibes David, and they were ceased to have kings from the household of David. So before we go on, this is already the question. How can you say that our Mishnah means, which refers to Shmuel David, and Shleima, when here we see in the Braisa that until the end of the first Beis HaMikdash, the Urim did work.
Now, before we come to the answer, continues this b'risa by saying, that if a person is going to whisper to you, asking, how can you say that after the first base Amikdash was destroyed, there was no more Urim V'tumim. When we read, Vayoymer HaPasik in Ezra, Vayoymer HaTirshasa. Tirshasa is one of the names that was given to Nechemya. Nechemya became the Sarhamashkin of a Persian king. And he was called Tirshasa because as his function of offering wine to that king, as it was their custom, they always were afraid that they were going to be poisoned. So whoever served whatever, the food or the drink, they themselves needed to taste of it first. Which means Nehemiah was obligated to drink of the wine as he was serving it to the king. Now the rabbis decreed the prohibition that Yayin Stam, even if it was not made for idol worship purposes, if Goyim moved wine, if they stirred wine, if it was not cooked, it becomes yayin that we're not allowed to drink. So the Chachamim made a heter, especially for Nehemiah, being that he was the servant of the king, that he is allowed to drink wine. And that's why they called him Tir Shasa, because that is a composite of the words heter Shasa. They made a heter for him drinking that wine. Any event, so Nehemiah said to them, who was to them, when the second Mesa Mikdash was built, there were certain Kahanim that did not know whether their lineage is tainted. They did not know whether they are allowed to serve in the Beisam Mikdash. So Nehemiah told them, Asher lo Don't eat from the Kaidash HaKadoshim. Don't serve in the Beisam Mikdash. Ad amoid until the coin will get up with Urim V'tumim. Seemingly, that there was the Urim V'tumim even during the beginning of the second Beisam Mikdash. And all that was needed there was for the question to be asked. So if someone whispers you that question, you can tell him, no, that's not what Nehemiah meant. Nehemiah knew that the Urim V'tumim is not going to be during the second Beis HaMikdush. Which means he really understood that for them to be allowed to serve, and for that you have to ask the Urim V'tumim, that's not happening during this lifetime. Now, we believe in Tchiyas HaMesim. We believe in the coming of Mashiach. So what he was telling them is, You want to know whether you can serve in the Beis HaMikdash? Okay, for that you'll have to pass away. You'll have to get up by the resurrection. Mashiach ben David is going to have to come. And then we'll ask the Un of But back to the question, at least until the end of the Bayez Rishayim, the Un of was working. So you cannot interpret Nevi'im Rishayim to David, to Shmuel David and Shlaima. Elo says, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Man Nevi'im HaRishayim, Hor Nevi'im Rishayim. These are the Nevi'im up until the last ones. The word first ones is a relative term. As long as you have later ones, do you have first ones? So who are the last of the Nevi'im? Chagi, Zechari, Malachi, which they were actually the Achreinim. And they were the Nevi'im around while the second base of Mikdush was built. And anyone before them, in other words, up until Churban by Yisrishan, up until Mesu Nevi'im Harishonim, we had the Urim and only from then on was it bottled, did it seize. Was it abolished? The Tanar Abanan, Mishemesu, Chagi, Zechariah, Malachi. From then, Nistalka Ruach HaKodesh Mi'israel. Only from then did the Ruach HaKodesh leave, depart from the Jewish people. And Va'afal Pikein says this, Braisa, nevertheless, it's important to know that there are many levels of divine inspiration. All the way on the top of the ladder is Nevoah. 
And in that itself, there's many levels. You have the Nevoah of Moshe, you have the Nevoah from other Nevi'im, Aspakladiya Hameira, Aspakladiya She'ena Meira, whatever that means. Then you have Ruach HaKodesh, then you have a Baskoil. So says this Brayso Haimishtamshin Bebaskoil. During Zman Bayesheni, we still had the power to hear and to use a divine inspiration that's in this lower category of a echo called a Baskoil. And as we learn in Hasidus, the question is to what world is the is that tzaddik connecting to? Is he connecting to, to just the world of Asiya Ruchni, to the world of Yitzira, or is it the world of Bria, or is it all the way to the world of Atzilus? Once the Yidin, the Chachamim were gathered in the attic of a home from Beis Guria in the city of Yerichai, and Nitna Aleim Baskol Min Hashemayim, and it was given to them a Baskol, and this voice announced Ba'amra that Yesh Bechem Adam Echad, there is a person amongst you Shiroi Shetish Shchina Olav that he could have the Shchina rest on him, meaning he can reach the level of a Navi. But the generation is not worthy, showing us how the tzaddik is affected by the level of the generation. And they put their eyes, they set their eyes, they understood that this is in reference to Hillel, the elder. And actually, when Hillel passed away, they made a eulogy, and they said on him, he chassid, here is a chassid, he here is a humble person, and he is the Talmud of Ezra. Not that he was actually the Talmud of Ezra, he lived many years after Ezra. However, just like Ezra, came from Babel and he went to Eretz Yisrael, the same was with Hillel, that he was a Babylonian, and when he came to Eretz Yisrael, ultimately he became the Nasi. There was another time that we were gathered in an attic in the city of Yavne, and a heavenly voice announced, and told him, there was a person, that the Shekhinah can rest on him, in other words, he is worthy to be a prophet, but the generation is not worthy. Just pointing out a small difference that before we had it in the singular, she'ein doiroi, here, uh, I'm sorry, she'ein doiroi ro'oi, here the wording is zakoin. Just pointing that out, I don't know why. And thus, noin a.m. And they set their eyes on Shmuel, the cotton. Shmuel HaKotan is not the Amoyed Shmuel. This is Bisman HaTanoim. But Shmuel HaKotan was from the second generation of Tanoim. He was the one that instituted Birchas Haminim, the 19th Brach in Shmona Esrei Valam Alshinim. And when Shmuel the Katan passed away, his Pidu, very similar to what he said on Hillel, he Anav, he Chasid. Here also to point out that the order is reversed. By Hillel they said, Chasid Anav. Here they're saying, Anav Chasid. And Talmideh shall Hillel. Now says the Gemara, however, by him, actually, he actually had Nevoah before he passed away. That Bishas Misasa, he said the following. He said, Shimon and Yishmal. Shimon refers to Rab Shimon ben Gamliel. And Yishmal refers to Rab Yishmal Koen Gadol. And Lacharova, they're going to be killed by a sword. That he foresaw that during the end of the times of the second Beis Amigdash, during the beginning of the times of Golos, there was a period of time over which the ten, the Asara Harugi Malchus, were viciously murdered by the Romans. And the Rashbag and Yishmael Kain Gadol, they were killed with a sword. Vachaviroi and his colleagues, including Rabbi Akiva, who was Pashat skinned alive, Likatala will be killed with a horrible death. Vishar Amal Abiza and the rest of the nation will become despoiled. Vaakan Sagi and then terrible tragedies, Asid and Lamesi Alamal will befall the Jewish people. He saw all the way until the coming of Mashiach. 
So actually, even though the generation was not worthy, nevertheless, you can see that someone can still become a Navi. Va'af al Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava. Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava was the famous Tana that in spite of the decree of the Romans, that whoever is going to give smicha and allow the institution of a real Beisden and the Sanhedrin to continue will be killed. He, he went against them and he gave smicha. And when they caught him actually ordaining Chachamim, so the Chachamim that were getting ordained, he told them run away. They had the Koyach, they were young enough to escape the Romans. He stood there distracting the Romans from going after the Talmidim and he was horribly killed. 300 soldiers pierced him with a spear. And Bikshu Leimer, and when he passed away, they also wanted to say on him the words, He Chassid, He Anav. Elosh in we lost that opportunity. Why was the opportunity lost? She'ein must be the Maharugi Malchus, because when the government, the wicked government, when they murder, when they kill, if the community is going to get then eulogize the one who got killed, it's going to appear like, and to a degree it is, a certain rebellion against the kingdom. We're saying the kingdom, the king, the government is wrong. They killed the tzaddik. So that's going to get them into trouble. So they were not allowed to make the eulogy, even though he was deserving of this level of eulogy. Continues the Gemara quoting from the Mishnah. That Mishachara Beis Amikdash, from when the Beis Amikdash, this is the Bayesh Sheini, uh, that was destroyed. Batel Hashamir, the worm called the Shamir worm, as we'll see in a moment, was abolished. I just would like to point out, and we'll repeat this again in Daf Memtes, that there is a subtle, but there are different words that are being used, sometimes one, sometimes the other, and certainly each one has a different meaning. Sometimes in this sugya we're having the word battle. Something was battle, something ceased. There are other times that we're having the word pasku. Right, let's touch in English. Butlu means abolished. Pasku means seized. Sometimes we're having the words nutla. Something was taken away. We're actually going to have on Daft Memtes at the end the words nignas. Something was interred. Generally, they all mean the same thing, but obviously each one is unto a different degree. So here the words is it was butl, it was abolished. Tanarabanan we learned in Abraisa. Shamir, Shabai, Banash, Migdash. The Shamir is a worm. We read about him in Perkiyava. It's one of those unique things that Hashem created at twilight, at the end of the six days of creation, and it was used by Shlemit to build a base on Migdash. And as it says, that when the house was being built, it needed to be built by complete quarried stones. In other words, the stones were not allowed to be cut with a knife. So Rabbi Yehuda holds, that all of the stones that were used in the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Not only the stones of the Mizbeach, which we're not going to address today, that Lukula Alma, if a knife touches any stone used on the Mizbeach, that stone is not qualified. But when it comes to the other stones, to all of the other stones, Rabbi Yehuda holds likewise, they needed to be uh, complete. Now, complete, how did you get it out of the mountain? So the Shamir worm was used that wherever this worm walked on, Whatever was under it cracked all the way to the end. So if it walked on a mountainous, on a mountain that had in it rocks, so the Shamer room caused those rocks to crack, and they're still called complete. In other words, it doesn't break, there's no uh, dust. All of the stone is either going to be on this side of the crack or on the other side of the crack. 
And those were the stones that were used according to Rabbi Yehuda. Tells him Rabbi Nechemiah You can't say that because for Halei Nehemiah it says that all of the stones, the precious stones that were used to build the base of Migdash, they were filed smooth with a file. They were chiseled. So if they were chiseled, that means that there were metal instruments that were used in making these stones. In Cain says Rabbi Nechemiah, my Tamad Leimer Lenishma. The meaning that they didn't hear work people working, breaking, filing, chiseling stones, all that means is that they didn't prepare the stones on Temple Mount. All of the stones, according to Rabbi a side of the stones of the Mizbeach, or here we'll see a side of the, of the engraving in the stones of the Chayshin and the Ephite. It was done with instruments, but not on Harabayas. So they used to fix it outside. After the stones had their correct size, then they used to bring it up, Harabayas. What do you need the, the word for? You needed the word, we'll see in a moment. Omar Rebbe says, first of all, that the Rebbe is going to pass like Rabbi Yehuda, that all of the stones of the base of Migdash, none of them were chiseled with, with metal. All of them were made through the Shamir worm. However, the words of Rabbi Nechemia were regarding the building the palace of Shleim HaMalach himself, that even when he built his own palace because of the Kavad HaMalchus, he didn't have the workers preparing the materials as is done today at the work site, which is a lot more practical, but he had them prepare it far away from the work site, and when they brought it to the work site, there was no noise. All they did was is that they mounted the house. Now, Danny, also who needed the shamir? If you were allowed to use metal, so now says the Gemara. We learned we need it as we learned in the Brayso. The Brayso is addressing avanim halalu those stones, referring to the ephod, as we learned not long ago that on the special apron-like garment that the Kohen Gadol wore, there were two straps that came up over his shoulders, and on both of his shoulders there were the Avnei Shoiham stones that had on it the names of the Shvatim engraved. And likewise we had the stones of the Choshen. There were 12 stones that we had on each one of them, another name of the tribe, another tribe's name engraved. And we also had the word Shiftei Yeshurun, and we also had the words Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov as we spoke out. So here the says, Those names were not written with ink. In other words, the letters were not superimposed on top of because it says engraved like a like a signet ring. On the other hand, you're not allowed to etch out those letters with a instrument, with a metal instrument, because it says which means in their entirety. They need it to be complete. And when you etch out, when you engrave, you automatically take out some of the stone. Ella, how did they do it? They used to write on the stones with ink. And the shamir worm used to see those, those writings which was only there temporarily, and he walked on those letters, and again, wherever this mythical, mystical worm used to walk, this creature of water, the spirit of water, they would crack on their own, just like a fig, like when a fig gets dried in the heat, when it cracks, none of it is missing, 
And also, just like Ukebikazu, just like you have the earth of a valley, Shenefkas during the winter, during the rain season, likewise, the effect of the Shamir on those stones was that it was Bimilu Oisam, they were wholesome, they were complete, however, metal did not touch them. we learned in Shamir this Shamir it's a creature in the size of a lent, of a soira, of a barley grain. Very small. It was created at the end of the six days of creation. There isn't anything, even something very hard, that is able that is able to go against, to keep its hardness in front of the Shamer. The Shamer has the power over everything. So now the question is, why doesn't the Shamer simply destroy the world? Wherever the Shamer is right now, whatever is underneath it should crack. And then the Shammar should go into it and bite it. So how is the world, the world protected? And, or to word it, the Balashan Hagamara, how do you guard the Shammar? How do we guard ourselves? So answers the Gemara, answers the Braisa, they used to wrap it with tufts, with bundles of wool. You put it in a tube of lead, and filled with bran of barley so when you have the barley that's inside lead and you have the shamer inside wool that composite is what protects the world from the shamer it protects the shamer from the world Omar Rav Ami says Rav Ami Mishachar from when the first base of English was destroyed when we're speaking about that certain levels of Kedusha seized and as we were learning, this affects the entire world, even the Gashmias of the world, that once you don't have that higher level of connection to Hashem, so there's a certain abundance of blessings physically in the world that also was abolished. But la shira parnagda, a parnagda silk, a very special silk became abolished, and and white glass. We learned in from when the first temple was destroyed. Batla, Shira, Parnada, Parnada silk was abolished. So was white glass, and so was Rechev Barzel iron chariots. There are those who explain that it's not that it was completely abolished, but it used to be very abundant. And that abundance went away. The yesh other people say, af yayin karush, gelled wine that comes from a place called sinir. In other words, it was such a high quality wine that before you diluted it in water, it was a gel. Hadaimit was like igulei devela, it was like pressed figs. This was also a tremendous bracha. And all of these blessings, begashmias, were abolished, reflecting how the physical world is connected to and dependent on the spiritual world. Gashmias and Ruchmias are connected one to the other. So when there's more Ruchmias, there's more Gashmias. And likewise in the opposite. So the Mishnah says that from the Churban Bayesheni, there was no Neifes Tzufim. My Neifes Tzufim, Omar Rav. Rav says Neifes Tzufim is a certain high quality, fine flour. Its soil is that when you are sifting through fine flour, the finest of fibers, there's a certain type of flour that stays on top of the sieve, and that looks like a dough, that was kneaded with 
honey and oil. Levi, Amar Levi says that this refers to a blessing that was given in the dough. That what? Shnei kikare sanet bakes betanet. When they used to put two breads in a oven and they used to put it on the walls of the inside of the oven, but the dough was such a blessed dough that the toifchais that it would swell. Uboys atchemagia zulazu and it would branch out. The word noif means a branch, that they would branch out. In other words, they wouldn't even touch the ground of the oven. But they would, one side would connect to the other side. And you would have this one huge, amazing bread. Rabbi Shoban Levi Omar, that noifes, sufim, he doesn't emphasize the words noifes, but he emphasizes the words tsoifim, and he understands tsoifim means a high mountain. It means a special honey that would come from high mountains. My mashma, as Rashi explains, where do we find in the Pasik the concept that honey or bees can bring for us honey from high mountains. According to Rashi's Girsa, Rabbi Yosef, and Rashi brings the Pasik that we have in the beginning of the Vodim. That when Moshe Rabbeinu was recalling the story of the spies, that after Hashem told us we, are, we have to stay in the desert 40 years, there were a group of people that said, no, we want to go to Eretz Yisrael. And they went, and it says in the Pasik that the Emoidim that were sitting Bahar, they went out after them, it says, and then Ashi brings the Pasik, like bees descend from a mountain. Ah, here is where you see in the Torah that bees descend from a mountain. Back in the Gemara. That Kema, the Natsan, the Variyasa, it's like bees that ascend up. The Shaitan Beroime Olman, they float around on the tips of the world. Umaisyon. Dufsha, and they bring back honey, me isbeitura from the vegetation from the mountain. Tanan Hasim continues the Gemara. Kol It's amazing that we had this, not mamash at the end, but towards the end of Nazar and Afnun. And we were learning the din of Nitzoik. Nitzoik means a stream. What's a stream? If you have two kalim, each one, each one has food in it. So you have one on the top, and that kali is tar. And you have a kali in the bottom, that's tummy. And you are pouring from the pure on the impure. Now, the moment the food touches the impure food, or if it's an earthenware vessel, the moment the pure food or the pure liquid that's being poured into the lower utensil goes into the ear space of the klicheres, it becomes tummy. Question is, does the stream become tummy? Or more, do we say that the stream is a connector and all of it is connected. So the bottom food is touching the food in the top, Kaylee. So the din is that that a stream is not considered a connector. Only when it, there's contact, only when it enters the ear space, but everything above it is still tar. Chutz, aside of two exceptions. One will be dvash zifim, and the other one is going to be honey from tzapichim. So tzapichim, we know, tzapichim, now she explains, that's honey mixed with beeswax, and it's very, very thick. And as we learned down in Nazir, according to one explanation, that it's so thick that if you were to stop the stream, because of its thickness, it would jump back. And therefore, the Chachamim say, even, so the bottom part of the stream is touching the Tumah. It has the potential of jumping back upwards, and it would go all the way back up, so everything on top is also Tumah. So that's the explanation of the tzapichim. What is zifim, it's such a good honey, it's such a thick honey, that people are able to forge it, meaning they can add water to it. 
and no one would know. It's like the products we buy today, you know, 100% pure, including 100% pure water. Or they can add the chlais oil in it, they can add wine into it, they can add other items that are less expensive than honey, and the honey of zifim is so thick, you wouldn't even know. That the word zifim is not, the, not a quality, doesn't come from the word shemizayfim, but al it refers to the place from where you get this honey. And as it says in Yehoshua, that there's a place called zif, there's a place called Telem, Uba Aloy. So here you have Zifim, that's Dvash Zifim. We find another Pasik. Right, the Dovan HaMelech was hiding near a place called Zifim, and the people that lived there, they went to the Shaul HaMelech, and they informed him that Dovan is there. And then, they were implying that they had the power to capture him. And that was a lie. So by my zifim, Amr Rabbi Yechonon bnei Adam Hamazayfin Divarehem. There also Rabbi Yechonon says the word zifim means people that are liars, that they are forging, because their implication that they were able to capture David was not true. So they told Shaul something that were hazifim. They were liars. Rabbi Elazar says, no, that, that's partially the name of the place. Al shemu kaimam kedusiv ziv v'telem u v'alois upasku anshe amona. You know, we'll stop over here. Emirates Hashem to be continued.